0: This is the story of the people, places, and organizations that make Katy, Texas a great place to live. You're listening to The Katy Podcast. They probably make more money than I do. I'm not giving them money, they'll just go buy drugs. Why don't they just go get a job? All of these statements are things you've probably said when you spotted a homeless person on the side of the street. These statements, every single one of them, take a complex issue and oversimplify it. Now no judgment here for saying those things, I've said them too. But all of us do have an opportunity to step out of the comfort of that simplicity and gain some understanding around the nuance of a subject like homelessness. You've probably also said, or at least thought, or maybe heard someone else say, Katie doesn't have a homeless problem. Well, our guest today has not only found out otherwise, but has devoted the last six years of her life seeking to understand the problem and offer solutions. Tina Hatcher is the founder and executive director of Hope Impacts. In the organization's history, they have taken on all of these presuppositions and many more in an effort to meet Katie's homeless population where they're at, under bridges, living in cars, and camping in the woods, and then bring them into relationship with others and with God. The end result? Well, the desire is that the hope of a better life will impact their situation. So I'm pleased to welcome Tina Hatcher to the podcast. Tina, thanks for being here.
1: My pleasure. Thanks for having me.
0: And just a note to our listeners, as is often the case, we are actually in Hope Impact's office today. And so you may hear some background noise of an office doing its business, so we thank you for your patience with that. Tina, let's jump right in. Why do you think people are surprised to learn that there are homeless folks in Katy, Texas?
1: Well, I think mostly because Katy is a very prosperous community, and where there's money, you don't expect there to be um, a real homeless situation. I think people assume that the homeless that are here are just traveling through because they're in a rich area, they would be very surprised to learn that some of our homeless are actually from Katie, hmm. went to Katie schools, their families are from Katie, and they don't want to leave the area where they grew up.
0: Yeah. So take us back to when you discovered this issue. What, what prompted you to start this work?
1: Okay. So I'll, I'll make it as brief as possible. I think, um, The main thing that prompted me to start this work is because my husband and I found ourselves in a situation where we were situationally homeless and we Hmm. never thought we'd be there. Mm -hmm. So after almost 25 years with the same company, my husband was laid off. We thought he could get a job. He didn't. I quit my job with the district after 13 years with KDISD and special education. We had to rent our house out. Our two children living at home had to move out. We went and took a job where we had to live on the property and make an income. And less than a year after being at that job and renting our house out, we were let go. Hmm. And so within a 24-hour period, we found ourselves with no job and no income. And we were like, what are we going to do? Now, we had a support system. We called Mm -hmm. our church family and our family, and we had friends that took us in. But immediately, I was like, what about those people who don't have that support system where would they go what would they do what would have happened if we didn't have that support system so it just really opened my eyes that homelessness can occur at any point in time Like hmm. a crisis a couple of paychecks i think we're all one crisis or a couple of paychecks away from possibly being homeless yeah
0: yeah and so as you observed this in the Katy area what What really motivated you to start a nonprofit? It's one thing to recognize an issue. Lots of people do that. Not everybody goes, hey, I'm going to do something about it. So how did that all start?
1: So that's um, an interesting question. I actually um, started this uh, awareness, like you said, about six years ago. I went to go pick up some meals from the Thanksgiving feast that Katie has been having for several years. Mm -hmm. And I picked up 25 meals for homeless people. There was another lady there. She picked up 30 meals for homeless people. And I sat down and I said, look, if we're taking these meals to the same people, let's not do it. Because we don't want to duplicate efforts. There's no sense in that. And I found out she was actually taking her 30 meals to different people when I was taking my 25 meals to. And I was like, okay, so there's almost 60 people in the Katy area that are considered homeless and that I wasn't aware of. And I was like, why isn't somebody doing something about this? Mm -hmm. And then... I set out to find out if there was a homeless issue in Katie, who was doing something about it. Mm-hmm. So I started talking to different churches and different nonprofits and people in the community that I had met, and I realized that nobody was doing anything about it, and I felt like that was unacceptable. Yeah. Somebody should be doing something about it. We should not have a homeless population in Katy, Texas. Right. And when, why do we have it, and why doesn't somebody care enough to do something about it? And although there were other nonprofits that were in existence, they weren't really handling this issue. Mm-hmm. And so um, I said, well, somebody should and then god called me to do it and so i just stepped out in faith and obedience that i could make some kind of a difference
0: and that was what year
1: that was uh the awareness of the homeless issue was in 2013 and then in i had been taking blankets and food and stuff out with ladies in my mm-hmm. church in the in the winter time sure was i think a lot of people do that but in 2013 was when i went to go pick up those meals and realized we have a homeless situation in Katy, Texas, and nobody's doing anything about it. And then in 2014, we sat down and had our first meeting in February of 2014 with some other nonprofits and Mm -hmm. churches just to say what's being done, what isn't being done, what are we willing to do, and that's when Hope Impacts was born.
0: So that's five years ago this year.
1: It is, yes. In
0: that amount of time, what's something you've learned about our homeless brothers and sisters that you didn't know before?
1: So I think for me, the main thing is um, we make assumptions about people based on their situation and their circumstance. Yeah. And everybody has their own story, their own journey, their own reason for being where they are. And I think I had assumptions too. And when I started talking to people and hearing their stories and building relationships with them, um, some people left situations behind that I could never even fathom in my life. They were so horrible. There was a reason why they walked away from it. Hmm. And then some people wound up in a homeless situation because they lost their job and they have a support system, but they didn't want to burden their family or their friends or their church. So they wound up living in their car for three or four months and nobody even knows. Yeah. So the, the circumstances and the situations are so different that you can't make an assumption about anybody because of where they are in their life. Mm -hmm. You can't say, oh, well, if they're homeless, then it's because they have a mental health issue or addiction issue, because it's just not true. And I think that was, for me, the biggest awakening was like, if I can become homeless, anybody can become homeless. And there are people that, um, you know, for every person you see standing on a corner, I know probably eight or nine people that are in the exact same situation of homelessness that refuse to stand on a corner. So there are people that want to get jobs, there are people that need relationship and connections and community and encouragement and support, and they don't get that from where the rest of us may find a way to get it.
0: Yeah. So it sounds like one of the things that you've learned is that it's not one size fits all. It's not. There's people that have landed where they are for lots of different reasons, but I'm wondering if... You think about the stereotypes and the presuppositions about the homeless community. I'm sure you've encountered a ton of those. Yes. Um, what is something about the people that you serve that you think a lot of people in the Katy area would be surprised to learn? Who, who are these people that you've gotten to know and love?
1: Um, I think mostly, first of all, When people say to somebody, why don't they just go get a job? Well, why doesn't somebody hire them? Um, I think that there's a lot of people that can work and are willing to work that aren't given the chance to work. Mm -hmm. I think transportation in Katie's a huge issue. So Mm -hmm. if you don't have a car or your car is broken down, it's hard to get around. It's hard to get a job. I think that if people would turn around and look at the person sitting next to them at Starbucks and strike up a conversation with them and realize that they've seen that same people there every single day, Hmm. every time they go get their coffee. Maybe they don't know that person is sitting there to use the free Wi-Fi and drink a cup of coffee because they're looking for a job because they're living in their car. Mm -hmm. I mean, you just never know. Um, But everybody needs to be treated with dignity and respect. And they matter to God. They should matter to us. Everybody should matter to us. And so judging somebody because of their situation at the moment, situations change for all of us all the time. I think we just need to become more aware.
0: Yeah. So it sounds to me like what you're suggesting is that relationships...
1: Very important.
0: um, ...eliminate a lot of the stereotypes. Yes. um, But also... I think it's important that we note that there are real problems here.
1: Yes, there are. So a lot of the problems that they have, um, like we just take things for granted. We ha- we open our wallet, we have our driver's license. Um, we can get hold of our birth certificate or social security card. If So if you don't have an ID, which a lot of them don't, you have to start somewhere. So we help them get a homeless ID, which will then help them get order a birth certificate, which will then help them get a social security card, which will then help them get their Texas ID. If, mm-hmm. you, don't have a, if you don't have an ID, you don't exist. Yeah. You can't get a hotel room. You can't open a bank account. You can't, you can't do anything without mm-hmm. an ID. And so it's not just, oh, well, go get a job. Well, if you don't have an ID, you don't have transportation, you can't just go get a job.
0: And where Hope Impacts, I think, kind of has a sweet spot is on that relational side of the problem-solving. So in other words, somebody in Katie might see a homeless person and they might attach to that person a stereotype and they quickly rush to the conclusion that there's nothing they can do. Yeah. What you're suggesting to me is that it seems like once a relationship is sort of fostered, there are these little steps that you can walk alongside someone and help them sort of achieve that next thing. So the question that comes to my mind is like does that even work? How have you seen that play out over the last 5 years? Well, that's
1: a really good question. Um, one of the 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 first gentleman that called me got our phone number from Katie Christian Ministries and he um, was a welder by trade. Hmm. Very specialized in his in his trade. He'd been looking for a job for six years and had not been able to find a job. His electricity had gotten cut off. His water had gotten cut off. He was living in a home with no electricity, no water, until finally they foreclosed and he got kicked out of his home. He was living in his car. Well, he was he didn't want to take anything from the government and he wasn't going to go stand on a corner. So he walked hmm. into Katie Christian Ministries and he said, "Look, I'm going to starve to death out here if somebody just doesn't give me a hand up." So our connection through Katie Christian Ministries at the time and social services called us. My husband and I interviewed with him. My husband and I actually wound up inviting him to live in our home. He had no drug or alcohol issues. He just needed somebody to give him a support system while he went to work. So I, I witnessed this guy going out and every single day pounding the pavement looking for jobs and just wasn't offered anything. He still had his welding helmet. He still had his um, welder's torch. And I happen to know the people who own Ober and Sons Welding. I drove him out there. They gave him a welding test. He was a little bit rusty. He hadn't welded in over six years. But he still had the skill, and they hired him. Hmm. This was five years ago. He still works for them. And uh, he joined our church that we were going to at the time. He joined a men's Bible study through Ober and Sons Welding that he still attends five years later. And he comes back to us every Christmas and gives us a donation that has increased in value every single year just because we got to know him, listen to his story, and help him, and he's grateful. And so that was a guy that didn't have a drug or alcohol issue and was kind of like floundering in life, had spiraled into depression, didn't think there was any hope for him. And because somebody cared enough to walk that journey with him, he was able to become independent, get a job, get an apartment, buy a new car. Hmm. And his life totally turned around.
0: Yeah, yeah. it sounds like a very um, determined guy. Yes. I'm sure you also meet folks who are so beat down yes. by their situation that they have a hard time even accessing that determination. So how does that manifest itself in the life of a person? What are the day-to-day wars that this population in our community, uh, what, what are they fighting every day?
1: So I think first of all, fighting against just be, becoming invisible to themselves and to the community. Like everybody wants to know that they matter, that somebody cares about them. Um, when you go see a person on a corner and you, you turn your head and look the other way because you don't know what to say, you don't know what to do, you don't want to give them money, you don't even acknowledging that they're there. Hmm. It's like walking through the halls of a business and avoiding eye contact. Like everybody wants to be acknowledged that they're a person that they matter. Smile at them, wave at them, let yeah. them know that you see them. Um, depression and helplessness is, is something that they fight all the time. And so we provide an opportunity for them to build a community where they can come and build relationships We bond over food. So we have events at our office where there's food. Um, We offer to pray with people. We have a Bible study once a week. We have supper and showers out in the community where people can come. We have a breakfast once a month that we invite people to come to. Just because when you are in crisis mode, you tend to isolate and Mm -hmm. it's the worst possible thing you could do. So we encourage people to not isolate. To come out and realize there's other people in their situation. And as they make connections with different people in the community, different doors open. Um, sometimes it's a journey. Like we have a guy that's now been in rehab for eight months, but it took us a year and a half for him to be able to admit that he needed a rehab. But we walked through that journey with him and we loved him right where he was. And then when he was ready to do something different, we helped him be able to be successful at doing something different.
0: It sounds to me like what you're saying is you spend a lot of time um, earning the right to speak into someone's life.
1: Absolutely, you have to earn that right. You can't just judge somebody and tell them what they should do with their life.
0: Like none, none
1: of us want that.
0: right? Yeah, I definitely don't. So, what what would you say to someone who doesn't have the time to walk along somebody in that way? What what can the average person do to be helpful to someone who is struggling with homelessness?
1: So, I think the first thing is to just treat people the way you want to be treated. I think look somebody in the eye, smile at them, make a conversation with them. If you if you have time to listen to their story, say, hey, I'll meet you at a coffee shop. Just mm-hmm. come and have some coffee with me or mm-hmm. I'll meet you across the street. Let's do lunch and just find out what they need. I think the other thing people do is make assumptions like, no offense, folks, but we don't need 20 you know, blessing bags dropped off on every corner mm-hmm. every weekend mm-hmm. because they just lay there or they go into a trash can so take your blessing bags and take them to shelters or take them to hope impacts or take them to um you know places where you know that they're going to be able to use those on a daily Mm -hmm. basis it's a great idea you want to feel like you're giving something but give them what they really need so if they don't need a blessing bag say hey can i get you something well you know yeah i could really use a belt oh i have Ten belts at home. I'll bring you back a belt. You know,
0: just ask them what they need. It sounds to me like that might be something you've heard your clients talk about. What what do the homeless in Katy say about people in the Katy area?
1: Well, first of all, I want to say that people um, appreciate that Katy's a safe place to be. Okay. People like okay. There's plenty of homeless shelters. Well, first of all. There's not plenty of homeless shelters, and the ones that are out there are in Houston, and they're not safe, and they don't want to go to them. So so making an assumption that they have a place they can all go is just not factual. Mm -hmm. Since Harvey hit, almost all of the homeless shelters are full. Mm -hmm. And so we don't have enough answers to the problem. But the other thing is, is... I don't think that the answer is sending all the homeless people to one, like to Houston and let Houston deal with the issues. Like people should have a right to choose where they want to live. Wow. I want to choose where I want to live. So I think for me, there, Katie's a very giving community. It's a very caring community. It's a very compassionate community. And it's a safe, people, you know, want, want to be where it's, where they feel like they're cared for and where it's safe. Um, they don't want to go where they feel like they're going to get beat up or, st- you know, stabbed yeah. or knived or rolled yeah. for their cash or whatever and so none of us want to be put in a situation where we feel like it's dangerous the thing that people that are from Katy love about Katy is this is their home yeah they don't want to they don't want to leave their home they have roots here even though they may have severed their ties and there's boundaries there and I'm all for boundaries um, but they want they want it the right to choose to be in a nice place to yeah. live and I yeah. think one of the main issues here that I would like to see solved is affordable housing. People Hmm. can afford to live in Katy if you live on a minimum wage or a fixed income. A lot of our people get an income. Maybe they get Social Security or disability. They should have the right to be able to afford to live someplace besides in Third Ward if they want to, that they can afford to live and have community. So to be honest with you, Titus, we have actually helped people through the Houston Coalition for the Homeless get housing, but there's no housing in Katy to be got. So we've had to move them to Houston over, Mm -hmm. you know, in areas where we wouldn't want to live. Mm -hmm. And some of them make it, and some of them come right back within a year and leave that because it's not a nice place to live, and they Mm -hmm. don't feel safe there. And so...
0: I have heard you say before that, the solution to homelessness is not a house. It's not. What is it?
1: It's community.
0: Say more about that.
1: So giving somebody a house in someplace where they feel isolated or they don't feel like it's safe to walk out their door, exasperates their problem. So let's just say that somebody might have gone to a rehab and gotten out of a rehab and The only place they can go is some place where they accept the voucher systems, but it takes them away from their support, it takes them away from their community, it takes them away from their relationships, but it puts them right into a situation where there's a lot of drug dealing going on, where um, where where they feel threatened when they walk out their door, where they don't have any contacts. Well, it's easy to roll right back into unhealthy ways of dealing with life if you don't have your community, your support, your relationships, your encouragement. That you, mm-hmm. that you can access. Mm-hmm. And so it's frustrating for them and for us.
0: So I just want to drill down to understand the scope of this dynamic in our community. These are really quick kind of questions, but are there homeless men in Katie? Yes. Are there homeless women in Katie? Yes. Are there homeless teenagers?
1: Um... Well, yes, because once if you're in the system where you're, um, if you're in the system where you're in foster care, once you turn eighteen, you're cut off from that system, and yeah. if you don't have a place to go, you find yourself homeless.
0: Homeless families.
1: Yes, but we try to get the homeless families placed pretty quickly. We don't want to see kids. I'll I'll put it this way. Yes, there are homeless families in Katy, but they tend to live in hotels or motels.
0: Sure. Yeah. And you said something earlier that I want to delineate between here. You talked about your experience being situationally homeless. Yes. That's not the only kind of homelessness.
1: No, situational homelessness is something that happens in your life. Like, say, for instance, uh, in our case, it was unemployment. Mm -hmm. So um, there's Harvey. People that Mm -hmm. suffered from Harvey may have been displaced while they were getting their houses rebuilt, if they got their houses rebuilt, right? But chronic homelessness is a situation where people find themselves chronically homeless over an extended period of time with no way to support themselves or be able to provide for themselves so just for instance we work very closely with the Houston Coalition for the homeless to even qualify for housing through them you have to live on the streets for a year before you can even get put on their list
0: so you have to be homeless for a full year before you can be put on this path toward housing yes so Forgive me for this, but is, isn't is that kind of like saying you have to be hungry for a year before you get put on like a grocery voucher system? Um,
1: yeah, well, it's kind of frustrating, isn't it? And and not only do they have to be homeless for a year, but they have to be able to validate that they've been homeless for a year. So, so just for instance, somebody walked in my office today and said, I've been homeless for five years. Mm-hmm. I said, do you have any kind of nonprofit organization that you've gone through help to prove that? If you haven't, then we have to start proving it now
0: hmm.
1: because you have to be able to document that they've been homeless for a year. They, wow. They can't just say they've been homeless.
0: So there's a lot of challenges that you face every day, and, and we could probably talk for hours um, about the, the nuance of homelessness. I also want to just ask really practical questions, and this yeah. is one that gets asked a lot that I wanted to throw at you. It's the age-old question, do you give money at the stoplight?
1: So, first of all, I'm going to tell people if God tells you to do something, I'm not going to tell you not to do it. However, if you want to know that money is going towards something that you like, you want to make a difference in their life, then I would give to an organization that you know is putting them on the path towards independency and self sustainability. Yeah. Because Otherwise, I would give them what they need. I'd give them food if they're hungry. I'd give them water if they're thirsty. I'd give them clothes if they're naked. I'd give them a backpack if they needed something to carry their stuff in. Um, Those needs need to be met. And we meet all those needs for them if we know about them and if they come in and ask us. When you give money to a person at a stoplight, do you know what they're going to do with it? No, you don't know what they're going to do with it. If you give money to an organization that helps people solve the problem that they're in, you have more of a better chance of knowing where your money's going. But if you feel compelled to do something, I'm not going to tell you to do it. I'm just going to say the nonprofits need the money too.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So what do you believe about the Katy area that gives you hope for more permanent solutions moving forward? Or maybe another way of asking that is how do you see a path forward to really address this issue and get people off the streets?
1: I think people really care that there's a homeless situation. And I think they do want to see a solution. Now I personally have no desire to build a shelter. A shelter is a temporary solution to a permanent problem. So what I would like to see done is that the Katy and surrounding areas um, take into consideration the fact that we need a long-term, sustainable, affordable solution. So. My model would be Community First in Austin, where they have tiny house, village, and RVs where people can go and live and be employed and get help for their mental, emotional, physical um, addiction issues. They, could get, um, they can be trained on jobs. They can mm-hmm. use their gifts and their talents, and they have a community, and they have their own place to call home that they don't have to worry about losing, mm-hmm. as long as they follow the guidelines that we all have to follow in living in a community yeah. and obeying the laws. Yeah.
0: So again, you are keying in there on community, community,
1: not yeah, so I think um, I think the difference so let me put it to you this way, Titus, when you go home at night, how many of your neighbors do you actually know that you could like go out in the yard and talk to them?
0: Not all but half
1: okay, good for you. I'm going to tell you <laughs> when I go home. I don't know any of my neighbors okay. on my block. Okay. None of them. Not one of them. I will, I'll all wave to them, but I don't know their name. I've yeah. never been to their house. We've never been over to have dinner with each other. The homeless community shares their food. They share what they have. Hmm. They know each other's names. They care about each other. They help each other. They already have a community. The community just happens to be under the bridges or, or in the campsite or in a parking lot. Um, when I went down to Community First in Austin and did a training down there. I opened my door and a a homeless guy asked me to come and join him for dinner out right in front of my little house where I was. Mm -hmm. Nobody in my community has ever offered
0: me to come
1: (laughs) over for dinner. And it was just, it's a totally different thing. Like, it just makes all the difference. Like, I want to go live in that community.
0: Yeah. Listen, speaking of community, you have such a unique view of our community. From your unique vantage point, how do you define Katie? What makes Katie special?
1: I'm going to tell you what I really love about Katy, and I think everybody's um, perception of Katy is that when I first came to Katy, it was a, it was that small town feeling, where everybody's friendly and everybody cares about each other. People matter in Katy. Mm-hmm. Um, what I saw happen in Katie after Harvey hit was the model for the rest of the world as far as i'm concerned all the churches the schools the people everybody came together your color didn't matter your social status didn't matter we just opened our doors we opened our churches we opened our hearts to people not like us just to help them i just want to i don't think our community can ever go back to being the way it was before that happened and Mm -hmm. i don't think it should and i think that feeling of We care about our neighbors, whether they're a homeless neighbor or a house neighbor. People in this community matter. Um, You know, love God, love people, offer hope. And that's what we need to carry on with us until we go to heaven, as far as I'm concerned. I think Katie's very unique in the way that um, the churches come together and serve, the nonprofits come together and serve. Um, We encourage and support each other in a way that you don't see around in other communities. I didn't see it where I came from and it's very unique. It's very um, unification, solidarity, and um, compassion and passion for the community at large and we're very Katie Proud and I don't think that that's a bad thing as long as we don't overlook the people that aren't like us.
0: Yeah. Well thank you for not overlooking people and for being a thought leader uh, in our community surrounding what it means for no one to be invisible, for everybody to experience care and relationship. And thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Titus. That's Tina Hatcher from Hope Impacts. Hey guys, thanks for listening. The Katie Podcast is brought to you by The 25 Group, a Katie based nonprofit serving our community. Find out more at the25group.org and join with us as we seek to help those in need. Hey, thanks also to Chris Verner for his expertise with music and editing. And thanks to you for listening. Please spread the word, connect with us on our Facebook page, and subscribe and rate us wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Titus, and you've been listening to the story of Katy, Texas. This is the Katy Podcast.